From Washington, this is CQ on Congress, the nonpartisan source for in-depth analysis of Capitol Hill's policy debates. I am Sean Zeller. I like acting because I can move so quickly. Mm -hmm. It gives me more flexibility. That's President Donald Trump explaining why he's not concerned about the many vacancies that remain in his administration. Most recently, his pick to lead the Defense Department, Patrick Shanahan, withdrew his name from consideration. Alleged domestic violence by Shanahan's wife and son had held up his nomination. Another acting secretary will soon take the helm. It means the Pentagon has not had a confirmed secretary since December, when James Mattis stepped down. And it underscores the problem Trump has had in filling executive branch jobs. 260 of 713 that require Senate confirmation remain unfilled two and a half years into his presidency. I have two guests today, Chris Liu, a former deputy secretary of labor in Barack Obama's administration, who's now a senior fellow at the University of Virginia's Miller Center. And I should disclose, he's also a fiscal note advisor, the parent company of CQ. And I also have here CQ defense reporter, Andrew Clevenger. Welcome to you both. Thank you. Hi, Sean. So, Andrew, let me turn to you first. This was quite a story about Patrick Shanahan. Even Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell expressed frustration about it. It is unfortunate that this news, news means we're no closer to having a Senate-confirmed Secretary of Defense. What happened? Well, the president had indicated that he wanted Deputy Defense Secretary Patrick Shanahan to step in and become the next Secretary of Defense. James He'd been Mattis serving as the acting director for several months, right? For almost six months. No but, one really knew what was going on with his nomination, why it was taking so long, because normally the Pentagon nominee moves quite quickly. And, and the president had tweeted that he intended to nominate Patrick Shanahan, but he had never formally nominated him to the Senate. And during this period, the FBI background investigation, I think, probably uncovered some, some things in his background that he would rather have kept private. Yes, indeed. I mean, it was quite a story that the Washington Post uncovered about this this violence in his family and his uh, his his involvement with it. And it's still not quite clear what happened, but I direct people to those stories to, to find out more. So given that he's stepped aside, who's in charge now at DOD? Well, it's it's in transition. He's still in in uh, in the acting role until Monday morning, 1201 a.m., at which point it will become Secretary of the Army Mark Esper as acting Secretary of Defense. And what do we know about Esper? Mark Esper's a, a West Point grad. He's an Army veteran. He served in the Gulf War with the 101st Airborne. Um, he's also been uh, Raytheon's top lobbyist, and he was a um, staffer for then-Senator, later uh, Secretary of Defense Chuck Hagel. So he, he's someone who's, who's very well-versed in, in how Washington works. Okay, Chris, let me turn to you. You wrote this piece uh, for USA Today about all these vacancies, and you were playing off the departure of Homeland Security Secretary Kirsten Nielsen a few months back. So now we have two of the most important cabinet departments without Senate-confirmed secretaries. Why does this uh, vacancy problem trouble you? People really are personnel. And if you want to make changes in the government and, and, and steer these agencies in a different direction, you need leadership there. Uh, and it helps have Senate-confirmed confirm, leadership. Now, there are certain agencies you can get away with actings. And I had the opportunity during the Obama administration to serve with a lot of acting officials. But at a place uh, as large 
uh, as the Pentagon, or there's also the dynamic between civilian and military leaders. Uh, having somebody who's had the approval of the U.S. Senate does carry weight if you're trying to move forward major initiatives. It's also important from an accountability standpoint for the U.S. Senate to play a role in that confirmation process. Okay. And you gave a good example, I thought, in that USA Today article, that this is kind of like having a substitute teacher at the helm. Yeah, no, that's exactly right. As I said, an acting official can keep the trains running on time. You know, if it's an agency that gives out money, money goes out the door, laws generally are still being enforced. But if you're trying to undertake a new initiative that requires some amount of political capital uh, or that requires you to develop, have uh, credibility within the White House or on Capitol Hill, that's just not going to be possible in an acting situation. So again, like the substitute teacher, uh, some level of learning will still happen in the classroom on a day-to-day basis, uh, but you're not making a dramatic change. Yeah, Andrew? And it gets a little trickier in the Pentagon with an acting Secretary of Defense under the Goldwater-Nichols realignment of the Pentagon. That's a 1980s law named for two former senators that reorganized the Pentagon's leadership. Under that law, the confirmed Deputy Secretary of Defense can serve as acting Secretary of Defense with all the same authorities. But even if Esper is nominated for the permanent position, he'll have to step aside as acting Secretary of Defense because under the Federal Vacancies Act, you can't run a department you've been nominated to lead. And that could get really messy. Right. And Andrew, we got news um, this morning that President Trump at the last minute had called back an attack on Iran that was projected to kill 150 people because Iran shot down a U.S. drone this week. And this is an interesting situation when you have an acting person, because the first defense secretary under President Trump, James Mattis, was considered someone who had the clout as a longtime general, well-respected, as someone who could push back on President Trump or or advise him or guide him in a smart way about uh, decisions of this magnitude. But having an acting secretary, it raises the question, is that person able to push back or is Donald Trump have more more of the decision-making authority in that situation? Well, and and Patrick Shanahan has been a Boeing executive primarily through his career before he became Deputy Secretary of Defense. And and I'm not sure that he has the global worldview or the experience in international relations you know, delicate situations like this may may require. Okay, Chris, back to you. As someone who served President Obama, um, why wouldn't you view these vacancies as a good thing if they're impeding the president from pursuing new initiatives? If they make it difficult, more difficult for Trump to implement his agenda, presumably you might disagree with, or many Democrats. Isn't that a good thing so far as Democrats? Yeah, no, look, I I think if you don't like this uh, administration's agenda, uh, not having confirmed leadership certainly impedes their ability to carry that out. But I think to Andrew's point, when you are dealing with issues like national security, having a confirmed leader there who can effectively push back on the president or, or certainly challenge him on his assumptions, you know, the reporting over the last couple of weeks has been interesting that, you know, John Bolton apparently liked Shanahan because Shanahan was not pushing back uh, the way that Mattis did in his administration. Uh, and as Andrew said, you know, Shanahan doesn't have this broader worldview that allows him to understand. So again, yes, for, uh, when it comes to domestic policy, certainly uh, if you want to impede this administration's policies, not having people there uh, helps. But from a national security perspective, you want people who actually have the trust and credibility on Capitol Hill and have the gravitas to go into the Oval Office and tell the president he's right. wrong. Right. Someone who's acting 
may, wants the top job, presumably. Well, and exactly, it's what and it's what President Trump has said. He likes acting officials because it gives him more flexibility. He views this as basically an extended audition, like a apprentice, like. A tryout, and if you've performed well, he will give you the top job. Uh, that puts a higher premium on loyalty than it does on somebody who's willing to push back. The Senate Democratic leader Chuck Schumer this week criticizing the administration for uh, its handling of the Shanahan nomination and its and what he called chaos in the administration. Here's what Schumer had to say on the Senate floor yesterday: the president's choice for Secretary of Defense withdrew. Where was the vetting? Why wasn't this known by the White House long before he got to this level? And so now, the most powerful military in the world has been without a Senate-confirmed secretary since Secretary Mattis resigned in December of last year. Six months without a confirmed head of the DOD. How can we conduct a foreign policy, a military policy, with no head of DOD? Um, but aren't Democrats playing a role in this by using procedural tactics to delay confirmations? In about half of the empty positions, there is a nominee awaiting confirmation. You know, look, the, the rules on confirmation have certainly uh, changed over the years, and, and they've now recently cut back on the debate time. Uh, in general, it goes smoother. Uh, but I would say, you know, this. I mean, each one of these nominations, even the simplest of nomination, takes up a lot of time on the Senate calendar, both in committee and on the floor, uh, even if it's not controversial at all. And so what's been challenging in this administration um, has not has not only been their inability to fill these jobs, and a lot of these people have washed out in vetting along the way, but it's the constant churn. They get somebody in there that chews up a lot of time in the Senate. The person serves the year, 18 months. The person leaves. You have to go through this process again. I mean, the fact that we're now going to be on our third Homeland Security Secretary, and if you look within the home. Department of Homeland Security, you've got not only a, a secretary vacancy, a deputy secretary, ICE, FEMA, CBP are all vacant. You have no ambassador to Mexico at a time when uh, what's happening on the southern border is presumably the president's top priority. And so this is a failure to put people in those jobs, and once they get in the jobs, to keep them in the jobs. And it doesn't, the politicization of the confirmation process, I mean, that's undeniable, right? It's been both parties going back now for, you know, into the Barack Obama's administration, certainly. Um, and it seems like it's not going to get better going forward, that this is becoming part of partisan warfare. No, it will certainly look when I went up for confirmation and I was I, I'm always proud to say I was confirmed unanimously. Uh, I was advised not to have much of a social media profile before this. Uh, I think in this new era where everyone has a social media profile, it's going to require a lot more digging into their backgrounds. But I think the Shanahan nomination does raise a broader question, which is why these issues, uh, domestic violence issues, uh, were not flagged earlier. He, he was confirmed to be the deputy secretary of defense. He obviously had to go through the highest levels of background clearances. This information should have come out. And so Senator Schumer is correct uh, that we ought to be looking more closely into that. So, Chris, you make a good point. This goes well beyond a vacancy at the Pentagon. We have a vacancy at ICE, the Immigration and Customs Enforcement, which enforces immigration laws inside the country. You, at CBP, the Customs and Border Protection, which is a border patrol and customs. And FEMA, the Federal Emergency Management Agency, which handles uh, natural disasters. Um, so quite extensive, big jobs, big, important jobs. And Andrew, with Shanahan departing and Esper not yet in, who has the president's ear right now on defense policy in this, in this situation with Iran? Well, it, it's not entirely clear uh, who's speaking on behalf of the Pentagon and giving the best uh, 
military advice. I'm not sure whether uh, Acting Secretary Shanahan is stepping back, knowing that he's not long for the role, and and whether uh, Secretary Esper is is sort of stepping in, or or are they waiting until the the literal transfer of power, which takes place at you know midnight Sunday night? And there's transition at the Joint Chiefs as well. Yes, the, that's the right. military branches. So uh, General Joe Dunford, who's the current Joint Chief. Um, chairman of the Joint Chiefs, a Marine General, is has announced his retirement, is on his way out, and his successor, uh, Army General Mark Milley, uh, is is going to presumably be confirmed and and fill that role. But again, it's not clear who uh, who's speaking with authority for the for the military. All right, Andrew, thank you for coming on our show, and Chris, thank you for coming in. My pleasure. That does it for us today. Thank you for joining us, and a special thanks to the producers of this show, Tula Vlahu, Meredith Roten. You can subscribe to this podcast on Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts, and please rate us.